0: This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 22. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with Catherine McNeil about her book, Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline. Mamas, you are going to love this episode. We chat about sacred and the mundane and practical tips for turning everyday tasks into encounters with God. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, hi, Amber. It's great to be here. Um, I have to tell you, I am loving your book. (laughs) It's called uh, Long Days of Small Things, Motherhood as a Spiritual Discipline, and I knew that I was going to love it. When early on in the book, you talk about this experience leaving a shop with like children attached to every limb. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and when I read this part, I was like, this is me. <laughs> so maybe we can start there and you can just tell us a little bit about what that experience was like.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm writing about one particular moment, but it happens Every time we go somewhere, right, I mm-hmm. um, I describe how I've got a toddler by the hand. I have – my other hand is holding those super heavy baby carriers. I don't know if I'm just a small person, but I struggled with those so much. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to invent something else. <laughs> um, but safety first, so that's good. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I've got my shopping bags. And my diaper bag's on my back, over my arms, in my elbow, crooks. And then my preschooler is running around in circles. And we're late for naps. We're late for lunch. Or we're about to be, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're heading towards crisis point. And, um, <laughs> and I realize I've gotten all my things and all my people. But how am I going to open up the door? <laughs> and... Um, uh, I describe that there's a lot of people watching. Nobody jumps to open it up for me, uh, but I do make it through. I push it open with my hip. I weave uh, my toddler underneath the baby carrier, and my preschooler makes it out, and and we survive. So um, yeah, that was a you know not a defining moment because, like I said, things like that happen every day. But it just seemed to really capture how our lives kind of become focused on something other than what we maybe expected them to become focused on during this Mm -hmm. season of our lives. Um, And then I go on to talk about how once I finally got my kids down for their naps successfully, I sat down to read an article that I had been saving for a quiet moment. And it was about how um, it was a biographer writing about one of my favorite Christian faith heroes. And he was described as so spiritual that he exuded peace, even as he walked through a door. And that really hit me because of my recent door walking antics. <laughs> yeah. I realized that either motherhood and spiritual fruit were totally incompatible, or else we needed to change up the conversation somehow because um, I'm not going to look very peaceful walking through a door at any time in the near future, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean even inside of the chaos, isn't that where God is taking us to the next level of learning to find peace in chaos, not just in a quiet space? So that really got me thinking. Mm,
0: Yeah, I love that. And so in the book, you're talking about having um, this realization that some spiritual practices like silence and solitude and like service and fasting even aren't Able to happen now that you're a mom, or aren't able to happen maybe as often as you'd like. Um, so I love what you write about how <laughs> you say my responsibilities rarely allow me to take a shower, yeah. <laughs> much less sharpen spiritual practices. And I think so many of us can uh, relate to that. But then you say, you know, in the chapters to follow, you talk about how motherhood, in and of itself, is this spiritual discipline, and um, and that there's ways to, you know, see the Lord and practice his presence throughout our day in the things that we're doing anyways. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. So what what does it mean to view motherhood as a spiritual discipline? Um, that's a great question.
1: You know, my husband and I, and now our family, are we're heavily involved, heavily invested in our church, in our community. And I... I became increasingly frustrated. You know, I would sign up for the service work day where we, you know, clean up the schoolyards and paint the the fences for the community center, that kind of thing. But I would spend the whole time chasing my children around and cleaning up the paint that they'd spilled. And it was mm. it was so clear to me that my intentions were right. And I think that there is still value in coming together as a community to do something like that, even if you're not functioning in a super productive <laughs> level. Um, right. But yeah. it was clear to me that I was there for a community spirit and not actually, uh, not actually benefiting the, the goal. And those things just started mm-hmm. to wear on me um, at times, you know, uh, you know, you know, you name it. You can't practice fasting when you're pregnant or breastfeeding. You can't pray very well when you have only had two hours of sleep for the past six months. Um I would go to a Bible study and I would have to leave five minutes in because my baby was crying in the nursery or, or what have you, you know, there's always something Mm -hmm. children have fevers. You have to stay home, um, for months on end sometimes. Um, and I started reflecting again that these spiritual practices, which I love and I value them and I uphold them and, Um, encourage people to practice them, but they are things that we add into our lives in order to give ourselves an opportunity to practice serving in order to practice giving of ourselves, whether it's our time or our energy or our money to God and to our community in ways that we wouldn't just automatically do inside of our routine Um, or ways to focus our attention on him on ways that we wouldn't automatically do. Um, so there are things that we're adding into our routines in order to give ourselves an opportunity, almost an artificial opportunity, to practice finding God in those activities. But in motherhood, what I was finding is that those components were already embedded in my days. I was already surrendering my time and my energy and my money and my identity to God and to these creatures Mm -hmm. that he had made. Um, I was already serving day and night. I was already calling out to him because I was at the end of my rope, um, at the end of my Mm -hmm. own strength, at the end of my own perspective on a daily basis. And I realized that rather than feeling frustrated or like a failure because I wasn't able to incorporate these practices into my week, my routine, like I normally did, that I could instead accept this season for what it was and realize that I'm still practicing these things. I'm still uh, throwing myself on God, still serving, still giving, still um, learning about Him inside of the tasks, the unrelenting, um, exhausting, um, but sacred tasks that he was giving me.
0: I love that. And do you feel like there was a specific moment where that mind shift kind of happened? Your view where your view of mother had changed, or um was it like a slow progression? I think it was probably a slow
1: progression. Um you know, I do write in the book about some key moments, like the the door fiasco. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There was another time when I was at a conference, and I heard the speaker say that if someone is really serious about growing in their relationship with God, that they will find thirty to sixty minutes a day to be completely silent and alone with Him, and When he said that, I was uh, the mother of two toddler boys, and I was (laughs) very pregnant with my third, um, my daughter. And it struck me that I couldn't be alone even for a second. There was literally a person inside my body, and the two that were outside were dependent on me, again, day and night, by God's design. Um, Mm -hmm. It's God's design for our children to need their parents so vigorously. And so, for me to somehow make this false choice that I had to find time alone or I had to sort of abandon my commitment to growing close to God, um, I felt that could not possibly be right because God would not create a situation where that would be the case. He could not create Mm. parenthood and babies and toddlers and pregnancy and say, This is an experience that most humans will go through. But, the downside is you won't be able to find me, you won't be able to seek me. Um, I felt confident that God was smarter than that, so that was a that was a another
0: a major moment for me, I think, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I love the practicals in this book, which I think is what sets it apart because at the end of each chapter, you have um these. I guess, kind of like call to Mm -hmm. actions on ways that mamas can practice what you're talking about in the chapter, which I love. It's not just, you know, here's how we can connect with the Lord in just kind of this lofty way. You have really practical guide, like a guide set up at the end of each chapter. And um, I found that really beneficial. And um, you have a scripture verse to reflect on that's kind of tagged Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to, I guess, the activity which is which is great. So that for a particular task, you have, you know, a scripture verse you can reflect on, and then a way to practice it. So, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Like some of those um, practical examples. Um, I know, like you have things like chores, but then also things just like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So how how do we recognize God? In those things, that's
1: uh, that's a great question. Um, so my whole underlying point in this book is that we can find God right here inside of motherhood, whatever that looks like for us. Whether we are struggling with a pregnancy that we weren't expecting or infertility, whether we're giving birth or going through the adoption process, whether we work outside. In an office somewhere, or if we are um, stay at home, um, whatever our life as moms look like, that we can find God inside of it. That we don't need to add more to-dos and more pressures and more things that we're going to fail at in order to have a spiritual component to our life. So at the end of every chapter, like you said, I do offer three practices that are centered around the things that we're doing anyway. So um, like you mentioned, I start with breathing because even at our most overwhelmed, we're breathing. You know, like when I had three children under four, I was still breathing. So I was probably (laughs) not doing anything else, but... Um, Mm -hmm. so I just, I give a little bit of a reflection on the thought that God has given us his breath. He made us alive, um, through breathing the breath of life into us. And that every moment of our day, we are breathing in and we are breathing out. And if we can take this task that we're already doing, um, and remember to do it unto the Lord, um, with gratitude for life, or his spirit present with us, then that's going to turn our eyes onto him without adding more pressure. Um, Mm. And then, you know, I have uh, things like washing dishes and folding laundry, um, disciplining our children, driving the car, getting our periods, um, those things that we are all doing every day, no matter what sort of mom we are. Um, we are doing all of these things and just saying, you know, how can we take this thing I already have to do and use it as a signpost to remember that God is here, that I can throw myself at his feet, find rest there, um, but also find the strength to continue to to push on in this task that I have um, with his strength.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, have you read the book or heard of the book, uh, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence? Yes, I have read it. Okay, great. Because as I was reading your book, I was I was thinking like, this is the practice of the presence of God for moms. For moms. Yeah, it's like, Yay. this is because I, I love that has, and the regular listeners of the show will know because I've talked about it a few times. I love that book. And when I was reading this, I was just reading your book, I was receiving So much because I was like, yes, this is what I was looking for as a mom. This is how I do it. So um, I I really love that. And um, I love that you mentioned that part about uh, finding God, even like when we're getting our periods, because I when I read that chapter in the book about fertility, um, I wanted to touch on that because I mean, how humbling is that that the creator of the universe is allowing us to partake In creation inside of us (laughs) it's like in a way to like co-create with god is beautiful that's amazing so uh, you have this wonderful passage um about our cycles let me see if i can find it really quick because i wanted to read it um where you say god has given women amazing diversity in the seasons and cycles of just one month a time for anticipation a time for loss a time for purpose And when we learn to be present with our bodies, paying as much attention to our internal schedules as we do our daily calendars, we pay homage to our creator and the wonderful, mysterious, diverse creatures he has called us to be. And when I read that, I mean, something just spoke to me. That is, that's so beautiful that even in our, we're experiencing all these things within the course of the month and the creator of the universe has given that (laughs) to us. And so... That's beautiful. I love how how you say that. We can experience him, you know, even in our periods, which some people would say is, you know, the monthly curse <laughs> or right. something like that. So yes. um, that's beautiful. Good, um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. And I wanted to mention uh, one of the other experiences that you had that you talked about in the book, because um, I know you yourself are not Catholic and not all the women that listen to this podcast are Catholic, but I am Catholic, and I know there are a lot of Catholic listeners as well. And in your book, you talk about this experience of walking into um, a Catholic church, a convent, actually. Yes, yes. So I was wondering if you could tell us about that, because I, I really enjoyed that part of the book.
1: Oh, good. I would love to. That's actually my favorite part of the book. Um, Yeah, I you're right. I am not Catholic, but I do really admire the the imagery, the symbolism, the routines and the rituals that the, that the Catholic Church provides to Christianity and other kind of higher church liturgical traditions. So I do try to benefit and soak it in when I get an opportunity, um, because in my Protestant tradition, I have a lot less opportunity for that. So that's, that's a way where I, you know, I appreciate the larger family of Christ, because we can, we can give to each other. So, Beautiful. um, yeah. So on this particular day, I don't remember where I was supposed to be, but I was alone. My kids weren't with me and I had just a few extra minutes and I was passing by a, a convent. And so I, I walked in because of what I just shared. And, you know, we're always so hungry for a quiet moment with the Lord, especially in these seasons. So, um, I walked in and just was immediately, it it was a beautiful room and it was not too large. I could take it all in, um, but it just captured me. And, um, I write in the book that my senses were being bombarded with totally different things than typical, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. uh, toddler crying and the phone ringing and the toys and the laundry that I'm tripping over. It's the stained glass and these uh, beautifully carved um, decor and the, the water and so many just beautiful things that are just triggering my soul to rest. And there were these stained glass windows that walked through Jesus' life from the perspective of Mary. And the first one was of the angel appearing to Mary and telling her that she was going to be the the mother of the Messiah and I thought how that is the most unexpected of unexpected pregnancies. You know, we Yes. <laughs> Uh, Many of us have experience with surprise pregnancies, but this was the very most unexpected. Mm -hmm. And I thought about um, so much of her experience that we don't typically talk about um, what that must have been like. Um, Then I saw the next glass was her holding, Mary holding baby Jesus in the stable um, with Joseph and the shepherds. And I thought again, how much was missing from that. You know, we see her holding the baby, but we don't really think about the fact that God entered into a woman's womb Mm -hmm. and was knit together there and came into the world in the same way that we all do. And that God has the character that he would choose to come and be among us in this most vulnerable and physical of ways. Um, And then the next, um, window was showing um mary and joseph finally finding jesus teaching at the temple um after he had been lost for a few days and i thought of the panic they must have felt and also how we all have to learn to let go of our children and they are going to become who they are and we can influence but ultimately um it's in god's hands And then the final um, glass, of course, was Mary at the cross as her son is being killed. And uh, I think women, especially women with small children, are more sensitive to violence um, than the average person because we have given our whole selves over to nurturing and creating new life. Mm. Um, And just what that would be like if it was your child, Uh, Mm. not... To her, not the savior of the world or the political, religious dissident, as you know, different people were looking at him differently at that time. For her, that was her baby son, her baby boy. Mm -hmm. And this little stroll through these beautiful windows had brought me to the center of the room where there was this life-size statue of Mary holding the baby with Joseph standing over her. And I realized that all of these components of the story of redemption that I've known my entire life all took place inside the context of family and the context of birth and nurturing new life and the incarnation God coming in as a person um, as a man but first as a boy and as a baby and as an infant and that just kind of blew my mind open theologically speaking that the God who is in control of this whole universe has done all of his most powerful works through family, through baby, through, through flesh and blood. And therefore, he can't despise or be frustrated with us for having, ba- for having bodies and having babies and having periods. And he made all this. He said it was good. And then he came and joined us in it. Um so it it really powerfully spoke to my heart that I don't need to leave all these things behind in order to find him. He is here first because he
0: made them and he's here because he came and joined us in them. Mm.
1: So that was a long that was a long answer but
0: no, that's great that's beautiful. yeah, I love that um thank you so much for writing this book because I think it it has certainly touched me and I know it it, I'm sure, is touching a lot of women. So, um, thank you for writing it.
1: Well, I pray that that's true. It's my, mm. my, uh, it's my joy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to mention something else because you write early in the book about how um, characters in, you know, adventure books that we read, like Lord of the Rings, the the characters that go on adventures aren't normally women. It's usually you know, the men that are out on the adventures, but you say, surely these women had adventures of their own. (laughs) So, um, I love that you write that. And I think about like that, the, the adventure that God has called you to in writing this book. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you just personally what it was like for you responding to something like that, having a family and knowing that he's called you to write this book and and responding to that adventure, what that was like for you?
1: Oh, that is a really insightful question. Um, yeah, it's – this book kind of was conceived in me very much like a pregnancy. You know, it started out just as this tiny little thought, and it it grew over time to something that was too strong for me to ignore. I had to bring it to life. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But – Uh, The book writing process involves a lot of preliminary work. You have to write some sample chapters and a really um, solid outline to really show, you know, where this book is going to be going. And then you need to get an agent, and then they need to find a publisher. And I had done all this work, and I um, was pretty sure that there was a publisher who was interested. And I was shopping at Ikea with all three of my kids, actually. And I was thinking... um, I was just feeling so overwhelmed with my life at that season. I do, I work part-time, but I work mostly from home. So I'm kind of both a stay-at-home mom and a working mom. And it's, it's a lot to balance. And, um, you know, as, as every mom has a lot to balance, whatever the unique situation might be. And my phone rang while I was at Ikea with my three children and I knew it was, uh, the offer to write the book. And I literally sat down on a couch at Ikea and, <laughs> and sent the call to voicemail because <laughs> I knew it was going to be good news, but I just mm. couldn't imagine how I would be able to do it, um, mm. to add one more thing, you know, cause that's the whole point of my book is we don't necessarily have room for one more thing and that's okay. Mm. Um, but I did feel like God was calling me to do this. So I did eventually listen to the voicemail and it was an offer to publish the book. Um, and I did call back and I did accept, um, but God in his mercy, um, just, just got me through. He gave me plenty of time, a long deadline. Um, and I actually feel like I wrote it in the best possible season because all of my children, but one were in school. Um, so it, it did feel, it, it, At first it felt too soon. You know, if my children were in school, I could have done a, maybe a, had a more peaceful time finding the time. But because I did still have one at home, all of those experiences and memories were still so uh, close and real and visceral. So um, I do feel like God led me along the way and provided um, as I needed it. But it was... I was not at all sure I was going to be able to pull it off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. A big undertaking, but Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I So hopefully
1: that encourages anyone out there who can't imagine fitting in something. First of all, you don't have to, but if God asks you to, then he'll give this strength.
0: That's so great because I think people some people probably are listening who feel that God has called them to um something unique and maybe something big and it's a little scary. And so to know if God has called you to that, that he will provide and be able to make it happen. You just have to say yes. Yes. (laughs) So that's great. I love that. So Catherine, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why?
1: The favorite part of my home, I have one room where I have actually bought furniture instead of sort of relying on the hand-me-down and garage sale furniture that my kids can mess up and jump on and (laughs) spill their juice box on um so Uh i think technically speaking that room is my favorite because it's where i have my bookshelves and a couch that's actually comfortable and i try to keep the toys out of there so that's sort of my peaceful haven Mm. but uh the the really true answer is my favorite part of my house is wherever the sun happens to be shining through you know like mm, it kind of moves yeah. throughout the day and if there is a room that's flooded with light then that's the room i want to be in
0: mm, that's so great i think <laughs> that just does something to lift to lift your you know Absolutely. emotions and feelings and spirit and yeah i our old home we had in the living room um, just a few like small windows. So I knew that I wanted to have just like sheer curtains so that when the sun yeah. came in, I could see it. And it just really does something to lift your spirit when you see I agree. You know, the sun shining in. Yes. It's great. Um, and what is something that you are loving recently?
1: Um, well, we are, where I live, we are heading into winter and, um, I am not a huge fan of cold weather, but I, I do love the the cycles and the seasons and um, just realizing that God is faithful throughout. Um, and I do love hot drinks, <laughs> so I'm enjoying yeah. hot tea and hot chocolate and hot coffee. That's so, so great. Yeah, trying to find have- the, the redemption in the cold. <laughs>
0: Do you uh, do you have a favorite kind of tea that you like to drink or I do
1: I there is this white grapefruit
0: tea that I
1: love and now I'm, I'm not going like, to be able oh. to think of the manufacturer but I I ordered on Amazon because I can't find it in the stores but it's it's white grapefruit and I drink it in the early afternoon that sounds yes, good love you it. can
0: maybe send it to me later I'll include it in okay. the show notes for people that are that. interested Absolutely. that's great um, and do you have any mom hacks to share, or mm. something that that's maybe been making your life a little simpler at this point in your life? Uh, well, or I don't, an o- an older mom uh, hack if there's. No,
1: no, this is brand new. <laughs> um, <laughs> last night, my wonderful, talented and artistic daughter made me a very beautiful painting or a drawing using my sharpie markers and yeah she had actually asked if she could use a sharpie i thought she was just writing a note and so i had said yes so it's not her fault at all If anything it's my fault but she was doing she was actually making a very beautiful picture with quite a lot of ink and it of course (laughs) bled through the paper and all over our wood furniture (laughs) Oh, um no. multiple colors <laughs> over oh, over a large section of wood furniture so i thanks to google um discovered that um toothpaste gets out sharpie marker from wood furniture really? yes and i learned this after water and soap had failed and right. i didn't want to try something really caustic like fingernail polish remover because i didn't want to ruin the furniture right but that's- yes i uh this is a lifesaver <laughs> maybe i'm yeah. the last to know but mom's toothpaste gets out sharpie from wood furniture i just so rubbed a little bit of toothpaste on wherever there was ink and then i washed it off and it all came off
0: that's it's awesome I and know. it's so That's so awesome that you'd mention it right now because literally the conversation that I had right before this was uh, with a woman named Maggie. She's in another episode that I'm doing and she had talked about a marker experience specifically (laughs) with Sharpie. And so I'm going to have to send her an email after this and tell her that toothpaste will do it. (laughs) that's so funny so yeah is it do you have to do it when it's fresh or do you think that you could do the toothpaste after it's set for a while do you you know know,
1: that's a good question I think I discovered this about an hour after she'd done it so it definitely was not coming off with you know my finger or um it was not rubbing off at all but the toothpaste just brought it right up so you know probably if you found it if it was a few months later maybe it would have set into
0: the wood more deeply, but. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Th- Give it a that's try. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. Um. So, Catherine, for women listening that might be interested in checking out your book, is there a place that they can go to in particular to get it, or what? What do you normally recommend? Um.
1: Absolutely. You can find it at um, most of the more common online retailers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, christianbook.com. You can find it from the publisher's website, which is NavPress. Um, There's links to all these places from my website, which is katherinemcneil.com. It McNeil is M-C-N-I-E-L. And then it's frequently in your actual brick and mortar bookstores too. If your church has a bookstore or um, frequently at Barnes & Noble, if it's not there, they would be able to probably order it. So I always like to give a shout out to the actual bookstores, (laughs) but yeah, but online, online is where you can find anything. So it's definitely on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com.
0: Perfect. And then if uh, listeners want to connect with you, is your website the best place to do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, Catherinemcneil.com again. I'm sure you'll have that
1: on your website. Um, Also Mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram. I love hearing from readers. I really do. It, it absolutely makes my day every single time. So if you wanted to reach out through my website or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, um, I would love it. Absolutely. Perfect.
0: That sounds yeah. great. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and thanks for taking the time to be here. Well, thank you, Amber. You're a great hostess. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Well, I'll go ahead and close this in a prayer. Okay. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for calling us to this mission and ministry of motherhood. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to recognize the sacred and the mundane of our days and help us to know you and see you in our tasks today and to help us in the practice of motherhood as a spiritual discipline, um, that we can, that we can know you, Lord, and know your presence in motherhood. And Jesus, we love you. And we offer this prayer in your holy name. Amen. Hi, friends. I recently returned from a trip visiting my husband's family in Wyoming, and on our flight back, my kids did remarkably well. (laughs) There were other kids on the flight, um, a baby up in the front, a restless toddler a few rows back, and parents juggling their four kids uh, a few rows in front of us. And with that came the normal expected noise Uh, some cries and some complaints and some yells for mom. But for some reason, that flight, my kids did great. (laughs) I mean, we didn't even put on a show, which was crazy. So when we exited the flight, we stepped to the side to wait for our bag, along with some of the other passengers. And uh, some of the kids that had been on our flight came out running and yelling. And then something happened that totally shocked me. The woman in front of me turned to me and said, it must be nice to have calm kids. (laughs) It must be nice to have calm kids. (laughs) I was so shocked. I almost laughed right in her face (laughs) because calm is not a word I've used to describe my kids or my life (laughs) in the last four years. And after that initial shock, I said to her, to be totally honest, every day is a total toss up. (laughs) My kids did great on this flight, but who knows how they'll be on the next one. And for some reason, that woman's comment, um, which she honestly and sweetly intended to be a compliment, (laughs) has really stuck with me. And I think it was just a realization for me that we mamas are all in the same boat. Even when we see the moms that we think have it all together, we really all have those tough days. So I guess I just wanted to share that to let you know if you're having one of those tough days, I am right here with you. (laughs) Thanks again for listening in, friends. You can find me and more about the show online at diapersanddisciples.com and on Facebook and Instagram at diapersanddisciples. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.